Welcome everyone to SaaScast, the podcast that talks you through the steps you need to future-proof your product, whether that's building the ultimate marketing team or taking your products global. Our guests will help you grow, scale up, and work smarter. Hi, Mina. Thanks so much for coming on SaaScast today. Thank you, Anthony. Really excited to be here. And thanks for uh, extending the invite. Yeah, look forward to our conversation. Definitely, definitely. Um, so before we get started, I'm sure our audience would just love to hear a little bit more about yourself. I know you've you've done a lot of work for Future of SaaS already, but for those who don't know, um, just give us a little bit of insight on your background, what it is that drew you in, in particular to this field of, of customer success, what it is about that um, that sort of fills you with drive and passion. Yeah, really good question. Um, so let me let me start sort of where I am right now. So I head up customer success and account management here at Thrive Partners, and we are a HR tech company. Overall, uh, my background is CS plus ten years. I've been in multinational companies with you know two million employees plus then uh, in a startup that had eight employees and had no customer success. So kind of the kind of the range of all of that. And really what drew me into customer success is, is a couple of things. So one is I'm at heart a bit of a tech nerd. Um, I like to be the early adopter in terms of understanding how uh, new technology works. And I, I do a lot of like personally um, sort of beta tester and a, and a like a early early stage adopter to different tech. Um, and that really kind of gives me that satisfaction of understanding how tech can help people. And um, what the second fold is that I'm quite love uh, human psychology, and I love to understand how people react to change management. And again, you have that great bell curve in terms of how people can adopt to it. Um, and what ultimately, you know, part of the customer success so success is is to understand the human that is buying the technology. So that's the really the other reason what drew me into customer success. Um, and yeah, otherwise I work like you said, I work a lot with Future SaaS. I also host a webinar series called Women Leaders in Customer Success, where we elevate women's stories in customer success, and I mentor future customer success leaders. That's great. Can I ask, um, what, what was your education background? What did you study? I did business management and hospitality. So similarly into this field, but not quite. Yeah, well, I can see though, doing something like hospitality, I can see how that lends itself to customer success. Oh, the 10,000 hours in hospitality where you know the customer's always right, but actually they're not really. <laughs> no, no, they're not. No, I posted a question actually recently in our Slack channel that said, and it was a question was, is the customer still always right? And I got some uh, some varying answers to that actually. Um, people saying, well, yes, but within reason and, you know, they're not always right, but you still have to kind of make them feel like they're right, you know, but then kind of subtly show them that they're wrong. I'm just wondering, what would your response to that question be? I would say sometimes also you need to get the customer understand, especially when it comes to customer success and SaaS, that, you know, what they always think is, isn't necessarily the best outcome. Um but yeah, talking talking more around like leading leading them to the right answer where you want to take them. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose that comes from like sort of being able to listen to what they want and sort of interpret from that what they actually need and what they benefit from. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I think you've hit the nail on the head because mm. ultimately while we sell technology, we sell a solution to solve your pain problems. And mm. if we don't understand what your pain problems are, then we're just a, uh, you know, a feature rich platform. Right. But yeah. Yeah, the best of the SaaS business is really understanding what it is you're looking to achieve um, or what is the problem in your business that you're looking to solve. Yeah, absolutely. And and the, the, we we done um we did an article recently simply on why startups fail. Right. And the chief reason is still that they're just not solving a real problem. Yes. They may have a great mission and a vision and and yeah. you know building a great product, but they don't understand what business problems they're trying to solve. No, absolutely. I think that's it's still so, so fundamental. So Within the within SaaS companies, then, what is the role of customer success exactly, and and why is it so crucial for SaaS in particular? Yeah, so I like to say customer success is the engine of your Formula One car, right? Mm -hmm. um, and the customer success team is the engineers that help to tune that car. So. Ultimately, if you think about the goal of customer success, it's kind of what we just said. It's to achieve the customer's desired outcomes and get them to realize the value from the product or service that you're providing. Because we all know that you may buy something that looks really glamorous, but if it doesn't embed into your business, um, no one's actually going to then get any benefit out of it. So ultimately, the customer success team um, duty is to make sure the customer understands what they're getting out of the product. And by that, you can help to really drive that retention, expansion, advocacy, all those good things um, that increase revenue in your company. And that's kind of why it's so crucial, because if did you know this little stat, I like to I like to call, call, refer to how uh, some of the customer SaaS businesses actually do succeed. And the, the ones that succeed like to a unicorn status, they typically have a NRR or net revenue, um, net revenue number higher than 125 percent. So right. That means you're not just retaining your customers or the 100% revenue that you have, but you are exceeding and growing revenue 25% above that. Um, and really, where does the growth happen? Well, ultimately, it comes from typically from your existing customers. And who's in charge of that is your customer success. Right. Okay. I mean, I'm really interested in this in this function in particular. Is is um, Am I right in thinking that it's kind of relatively new? To a certain extent, and it is metamorphosized from customer support, used to have very typical, right, like I, I have a support function that tells the customer what they're meant to be doing. But fundamentally, the two differences is the support is reactive and success is proactive. And proactiveness means that you are trying to get the customer to understand what you're you're getting out of it um, and helping them along the way. So to an extent, it is new. Um, and I think it is evolving a lot actually as well, especially in the current climate, because um, when you look at VC funding, what they typically like to do is, um, you know, where does funding go in terms of people? It's the people who generate revenue, not the ones that are a cost center that sort of, you know, just take away the revenue by servicing something, right? So this is where also our debate comes into today. Is it really a, a cost center or a revenue center? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so describe this 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 myth to me. Then this the origins of this are out of customer success as a as a cost center. Let's play devil's advocate here a little bit. What, what where does this come from, and and 
how has that been, um, I suppose, um, perpetuated? Well, yeah. So interestingly enough, I think it comes from the idea that, um, you know, what was happening was really customer support and mm-hmm. not really that idea of how customer success drives rent- retention. So I posed this question to two chat um, AI engines. Also, is, is it a cost center or is it a revenue center? Chat mm-hmm. TTP thinks it is a cost center and it says that it's, you know, <laughs> primary <laughs> function is to drive customer satisfaction and retention and therefore indirectly affect the customer value. CERN Zero's AI says, yes, it's a revenue center. Yes, customer success can be considered a revenue function. They help to drive customer retention, expansion, and advocacy, um, and support uh, sales and marketing teams to identify upsell and cross-sell opportunities and drive revenue growth. So interestingly, there is still even like in the literature what the AI engines are pulling out, a difference in an opinion in terms of where this where this uh, center sits in, but um, as I said, I think in the especially twenty twenty three, there's been a lot more discussion about it having to be a revenue center because ultimately, it is currently especially in this climate again. I keep using that, but um, it is very hard to convert new leads, uh, and it's a very very long sales cycle. So where can revenue expansion come from? Is really from your existing customers. Currently, a it's faster, b it's least less costly. So you really should be considering um, your customer success as your revenue center. Yeah, I, to me, I've got to be honest. I can't see how it could be seen as anything else. You know, it just seems like when I think about like my own experience with tech. And the, the the ones that sort of make an impact on you are the ones where, you know, it seems as if people really do proactively, like you said, want to help you solve your problems. It creates right. that kind of loyalty that makes you stick around, doesn't it? I mean, I don't understand how that couldn't be seen as a revenue function, you know, or something that positively impacts revenue. It, it, it's, yeah, it's strange. But- yeah. And and I think it's just the the positioning and the vocabulary as well that the CS people use. And typically yeah. it's just you saying like, you know, we're best friends of the customer. Well, yes, you can act like that, but then you have to think commercially and think about what is the opportunities per, per your customers um, and also work with the commercial team really, you know, wh- wherever that sits is what is the model that we're selling right now? Are we looking at selling pilots and then landing expanding revenue from there? Are we, what are our feature opportunities to sell more product or cross sell or, or, or something like that? But you have to be proactively exploring these opportunities as, as well. Yeah, I think, um, so it's kind of, yeah, it's not about just being Mr. Nice Guy. It's about being strategic in what you're doing all the time and thinking about Absolutely. Yeah, nailed it on the head. Yes. Yeah, that's really interesting. And, and I suppose as well, you know, it's kind of, it's about, you were saying, talking about the language that they use. I wonder if it's, if people don't always advocate for themselves in the best way or their position, you know, in terms of the value that it has. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I I do think that one of the things is we've we've often talked about the CS having a a seat at the table Mm. um, being sort of overlooked, but it's also partly back to your own problem is if you don't advocate of holding a number, if you're not holding a number accountable to, right? Like literally the pot of revenue that makes you important in the customer, um, not just in the customer eyes, but also in the company eyes, 
then you're not necessarily getting a seat on the table if you're just considered a service function. Yeah, absolutely. And that takes us really nicely into KPIs and metrics. Yes. Because what KPIs do is, is well, it's in the name, isn't it? They, they show the value that you're providing to the company in a way, yeah. in concrete form. And that's really good evidence for what you're doing. Um, so what kind of metrics should we be looking at for to, to kind of um, consolidate customer success's position as a revenue function within SaaS? Yeah, and I always think my North Star metrics is net revenue retention or NRR. And that is the one that mm. um, is very, very visibly used in VC world as well as the rest of the organizations. Um, and that proves, you know, how fast you are. Uh, mm -hmm. able to extend your revenue from current customers as well as obviously new customers as well. Um, the other one that um, customer success leaders should really have a great handle in is churn, not because we're thinking of it as negatively, but just to just to make sure that you are giving the business a good forecast in terms of what is to expect from mm -hmm. your existing customers, because that is the whole pot of your revenue at this point in time until you get a new logos. Or new customers, um, and the other thing I would say is, is is start to track that expansion, which is part of your NRR. But if you're not holding the total NRR, at least what you are getting from your existing customers. And again, this kind of goes back to what's the model in the organization. If the customer success um, also looks after kind of the new opportunities, and if they don't, what are the leads that they're generating, the customer success qualified leads um, that they're um, generating for the sales team? So it doesn't really ultimately matter how many metrics you have, as long as you have something that really has the attention of the leaders in your organization. Yeah, that's really, yeah, that's really, really interesting. I'm wondering, um, how do, uh, so like, I'm, I imagine that customer success plays some part in, for example, uh, cross-selling and upselling. That's mm -hmm. right. How does that differ from how a salesperson might go about that? Um, is there a kind of softer way that you have to approach it as a CS person? I, I don't know if that's a silly question, maybe. I just, it just occurred to me. <laughs> no, it's a good question, Anthony. And and yes, you don't also want to be uh, seen as the pushy salesperson. And I know we all yeah. have like, stereotypical ideas of the sales side of things. But again, if it's done in a way that understands the business problem of the customer, mm -hmm. uh, okay, so here's another thing that will help you to solve this. It, and, and therefore, you can sort of lead into an easier commercial conversation. Um, that that's a good way of customer success or or if actually in fact in my organization i look after account management that's the function of the account management um that goes in there and says right strategically we're here if you want to get here here's another thing that can help you with that or hey great you know we've had your one of your business functions use our product and this is the success story that they've had so far what about um, some of your other business functions in the organization? They could benefit from this same. You surely have a similar business problem in another one of your functions. So it's that consultative sales approach um, mm -hmm. against the business problem that you are solving currently. Yeah, oh, so it's so there's so much that goes into it, doesn't it? Isn't mm -hmm. there? Time that's the thing again, having to balance what the customer's problem is with what the wider picture is of the company all the time yeah. is. Yeah. Um, is really really a challenge i imagine it's quite it's quite a steep learning curve 
Um, and I would say this is where the the um, education of customer success really needs to come in or the change that we need to be seeing. Um, typically, what customer success needed to know is what your product does and how you can implement it and, you know, how you function on it. I would argue that it's more important for now to practice the curiosity for customer success in terms of understanding um, the business that, the, that you're selling to currently and you know how obtaining their goals really facilitating that curious conversation of uh what is it you're trying to achieve or why you know why does this matter and why is it important for you to get this right and then tailor the messaging and the sort of the outcome driven opportunities out of that and talk a lot about more outcomes than the product itself yeah so that's where i think you know the the conversation really in the CS world has to change, um, and it has to be it, almost to a point where you sell more effectively in the similar way that sales would sell. Um, I'm not selling the features of the product; I'm selling to solve your pain. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's 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 really difficult, isn't it, to get around that problem, especially with people being so so savvy now. Mm. It's so hard to get around that problem of, you know, uh, oh, I've got this problem. Oh well, our product can do that, and then the response: yeah. being, Well, yeah, well, of course you would say that, wouldn't you? You know, that's that's that kind of really kind of sneering response. Yes. How do you how do you convince the customer that you're not just trying to push your product on them, that actually that you're what you're selling really can solve their problem, and you really do care about solving it? You know, is a is a is a hard skill to master, I imagine. It it isn't easy, especially coming from from the background of like we you tell us what your problem is and we we give you a support answer to that. Um, and what else I was kind of about to say for that is obviously your computer competitors are going to say the, exactly the same thing. Oh yes, our product can can solve this. Yeah. So one of my things that what we're trying to to do in terms of a we're really looking at your business to start with and then understanding what is it that would make make success in your company from this product and then leaning on from that is that as you progress to the customer journey that's really a kickoff um and when you're starting to see some results you're also then saying well some of our other customers that are great at this do this mm-hmm. and it's that um this is where you kind of pull back the advisor role into that conversation but you're you're helping them to understand how you could maximize the benefits out of things. Um, So it's kind of different lens as well saying, again, we're not just talking about the features of the product, but like how other customers have actually found their maximization out of this. And I suppose you can leverage uh, customer advocacy there as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the, that's the big story is that, you know, case studies are often around found on your website, but that's not, <laughs> you can't throw that at a customer um, in a live conversation. You really need to be more of a consultative approach from that point of view and, and saying, okay, well, we, you know, our advocate customers actually do this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I think that really shows the value of that, definitely. Um, so let's get on to how these different functions sort of work in sync. I mean, how um sales and customer success in particular i, I already touched on that mm-hmm. but can i talk can we talk more specifically about aligning these two um these two functions and, and the potential challenges maybe in in a, in aligning them 
how can these networks work collaboratively? Yeah, I think that's a real quick question. Actually, I think there's been tons of webinars done on this um, in the recent past because what often tends to happen is that the um, reason they're not aligned is that there's competing business priorities. Let's say like sales has a quota to fill um, and customer success has a churn number to uphold. And those two things don't necessarily, they're not the same KPI. They're not the same um, lens uh, of how, how to look at things. So I think one of the ways to really align that is, first of all, it starts from the leadership level. Mm-hmm. So setting a direction that aligns towards the customer outcomes and putting customer at the center of that activity. So you're looking at it from how do we make sure we we sell to the right customer and that we value the lifetime value of the customer, right? So setting up that success engine from, from the get-go. And then really, as again, looking at it from the customer um journey point of view, what are the role scopes that support this? So how do you align the business against that customer? So let's say, for example, at the top of the funnel, you're looking at new sales. Um, once it converts, then you're probably looking at like the, the CS lens. Um, as, the, uh, as the customer journey progresses and you're getting to a state where the customer is adopted and is satisfied, then you're looking at an account management or a sort of an expansion team that helps then to find the opportunities. But overall, um, it comes back to the leadership of setting OKRs that marry each other, right? That mm-hmm. complement each other's um, ideas and successes, right? Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, as a, as a company, you have an overall goal that is aligned on, and the OKRs are aligned underneath that is that challenge isn't it of kind of like because i you hear a lot today i think we've we've seen a lot of literature in particular on gamifying K- kpis mm. and i one of the concerns i have about that is that i wonder is it going to create an environment where your um teams are are competing against each other rather than sort of collaborate working together to understand how their separate kpis complement each other I think that's kind of what you're hitting on a little bit is how do you make it so that when you're aiming towards your KPIs, you're thinking about how it how it enhances the overall business, right? Correct. Yeah. So I don't I don't mind the saying that gamification doesn't work in terms of like trying to make people more uh, proactive to working towards their their KPIs. But what I do think is that is that. Um, like if you're looking at it as a as a total model, it has to be that revenue function is all aligned, right? You can't have competing KPIs or things that create unsynergy. Um, and ultimately, it also has to be incentivized in the way that makes sense for that long-term customer value to be achieved, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So ultimately, I mean, it just comes back to we're all <laughs> we we create this problem, so there's ways of solving it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it's um, often we create problems by in the solutions that we come up with. You know, they seem to work mm-hmm. short term, and then they create problems further down the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. When we're talking about the the value of customer success, then what we're really hitting on, I think, is is personalization. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the sort of dream of creating a tailored experience to the customer, which obviously is not not hundred percent possible to create an experience that's one hundred percent like a mirror for what the person wants. 
Um, but I just wanted to dig into how does customer success go about this, it, creating um, personalized solutions and 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 how does that drive revenue in terms of, of upselling and cross-selling? Uh, really, really good um, question there. So I love to bang on about the customer journey, but I think it's a really critical way of understanding um, how you look at your operation in terms of the customer lens. Mm -hmm. And that goes back to not just uh, a customer success here, but really the whole starting um, starting the customer journey from what they sell and what messaging we're telling people when we're selling it, right? Yeah. Um, it, it's proven to the point that even your first marketing message can lead to churn because you're creating a misaligned expectations from what you would be achieving from that. So aligning the whole customer journey in terms of messaging and what value are. So what value am I selling? What value can we deliver? Um, and you're eliminating kind of the um, misalignment of expectation because then you are really within customer success. You are then so you know creating that value that we promised to you at the starting point. Um, and when I say value, what I'm meaning here is the personalized value. So taking the understanding of the customer again in terms of what are your goals and objectives? So what do you want to achieve by doing this? And therefore, what measure or the ROI can we contribute towards that in your business um, business scenario, right? So I'll take an example. Uh, from our product, for example, the, one of the ideas is that you create increased retention in your company, right? And that's a that's a tangible ROI, right? Um, so are we then doing that is something that the CSMs or the customer success teams would be constantly ensuring that the customer is realizing, right? Um, and how are the milestones in your journey aligned against achieving those objectives? Mm -hmm. So this is where the personalization comes in, is that you're not just talking about the product. Again, I come back to products are great, right? Don't get me wrong. If anyone listens to who's a, a product manager on here, I'm not saying that you don't build beautiful products, but the product is meant to facilitate what the customer gets out of it, right? Mm -hmm. um, and therefore, if customer's objective is A, um, are we delivering that through the product? And are we communicating that through the product to saying customer, yes, you are receiving this value. Um, and that's really where that personalization comes in because not, not all of your object, uh, customer objectives are going to be the same. No, I think it's, it's just that move away from the one size fits all approach, isn't it? I think is, is absolutely. Really, yeah. Really, really the key here. So then let's, uh, this is going to be really difficult to sum up. I know. Uh, I feel like I'm asking, but I think it'd be great for us to, to round this off by just what does the future of customer success look like? We we talk about how it's evolving rapidly. If you could look ahead five years, look into your crystal ball. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you see it in five years' time? Um, I think it's a really exciting moment in time and customer success because obviously we now have, um, I'm going to throw in the AI here, we have the ability to harness AI that would get rid of the repetitive tasks that we do in customer success. Um, and how that evolves around is, is going to be interesting in the next you know one to two years. So if that takes a gear of that kind of traditional, what we would almost say support, but to a point um, also those tasks that are very time consuming, however repetitive, then we all of a sudden unlock this harness of 
uh, time. Um, and the time will give you the benefit of being able to really focus on that human interaction and that personalization with the customer. And, uh, and then really that idea then to be able to say, okay, well, actually, Mr. Customer, uh, here's all the good things I can do for you. Um, and then lead that into really the commercially minded conversations at the same time as you act as the best friend of the customer. So I think there is just a, a world of greater opportunities to come in um, into customer success. Do you think that right now there are a lot of customer success managers who kind of are just thinking, oh, I could do so much more if only I had the time to do oh, it? Yeah, 100%, 100%. Um, and I do think that because the way that the, the industry has been evolving, um, there's been more and more pressure on time because you're still doing the same amount of work in terms of all these tasks, but you're also expected to hold a bigger business uh, book of business, um, and and you know, yeah, just two more with less. So what 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 specific tasks is it going to cut down on? That's a good question. I think it, it a lot of it will be things like um, manual tasks that happen today um, that don't get supported in the product, for example. Um, some of these customization reporting that you're doing today, um, potentially some of the, we talked about whether, and this is probably for more for the CS leader side, but how it can help you with automated forecasting, kind of risk management, um, identifying good opportunities, things like that. So harnessing more the power of data that gives you insights and direction on, on where to focus your efforts. That's really great. Thanks for that. Um, so I think that what we're summing up here a little bit is because there's been this, there's been a lot of hysteria around AI, as you've probably, mm -hmm. um, oh no, it's going to take everyone's jobs. And the, the kind of positive side that I've heard people say is that, well, no, actually it's going to free up human beings to do the things that only human beings can do. That's the kind of dream with AI is that, you know, all the things that AI can do that, you know, can with the perhaps for human beings struggle up with because of human error, it's going to take over. But then the things that absolutely we can only do because of our own lived experiences, like dealing with people, dealing with human beings, <laughs> trying to solve their problems, it's going to free us up to do a lot better. Absolutely. And I think that's that's the ultimate dream, I guess, in a way, where you you get to a point where you have the time to listen and understand mm -hmm. um, and have that great human interaction and pick up the nuances of where they think things are not working out so well and then act um, as a corrective action to against that. Yeah, I mean, we all know that 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 um that struggle of when perhaps you have a customer interaction and because your mind is so full of all the other things that you have to do in the day, you come away from it 10 minutes later and you think, oh, if only I thought to say that, you mm -hmm. know, <laughs> I wonder if it's always like, if it's just like, like you said, these admin tasks, like fluttering up your brain in the moment, you know? Yeah, it's the information <laughs> overload that we're dealing with constantly. Yeah. Um, if we can eliminate that and therefore be in the conversation when the conversations happens, I think yeah. we'll play with much better relationships uh, with customers. Just create more space. <laughs> create more space, definitely. Uh, that's really great. Um, thanks so much for this, Mina. I think it's been a really fascinating discussion. Um, and I think what you've said about customer success as, as revenue function has been very, very convincing and compelling. Um, 
I was just wondering, just to round this off, just this is a thing we do for just a little bit of fun, really. Um, could you talk maybe, maybe mention three different things that you wish you'd known about your current field before you entered into it? You mean the customer success field or? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> You can do tech if you want as well. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> okay, that is a good rapid fire thinking. Um, I one, I probably would have wish I knew how much more complicated it can be in terms of um, juggling all the all the plates of the air at the same time. Mm -hmm. uh, two, tech. Uh, I think people um, have a misconception of un like what tech development looks like. Um, mm -hmm. And they always think that, you know, we're further than what we are um, yeah. and that it solves more problems than it does. Um, but you've got to be this realistic of like, what does, what does tech development actually look like? Um, and three, I'm grateful for knowing actually how satisfying customer success is um, when it's done right. Oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah, I think, I th I mean, I'm going to sneak in another question here, but I just think it <laughs> nicely. What qualities do you need to have to be to enter into customer success? I can't emphasize the fact that you have to have a curious mindset. Mm -hmm. um, you will constantly be bombarded with new things. Um, and that's from new things from customers, new things from your product, new things from your organization. Um, but if you have this sort of curious and growth mindset, you'll do really, really well. Um, I think there is also element of uh, being em em empathetic to the customer. Um, you know, that's that's the hospitality background <laughs> that everyone approaches uh, about. Uh, but it's able to uh, have a lens of, your viewpoint and their viewpoint mm -hmm. um, and being able to emphasize that. And that's, uh, that's, that's a great skill. But then I would say the new skill you really need to start acquiring is this understanding of what is the impact and a value that you're bringing um, to that conversation. It's quite a rare cocktail of qualities, isn't it? I, oh, I absolutely. I, I do think that um, <laughs> It's the, it's these are the skills that AI cannot harness yet. Yeah, absolutely not. No, no. I mean that's a that's a special person who can fulfill all of that. I think. Yes. Um, but I just I, the reason why I asked that was because what you said about you know you came into it with an with an idea of how good it could be, mm. how fulfilling, and I just wondered if that was maybe an, a thing that you had to have to enter into it in the first place. Was some again maybe not necessarily for customer success specifically, but. I guess a passion um or um a passion for for helping people solve their problems or a curiosity about how you about human nature and how you can help people solve their problems maybe I don't know that's what yeah. I was thinking of. Yeah no I I do think that you need to um be evolving constantly in this profession it isn't one that um there is a direct formula to say you do this and therefore the output is this um because there is so much more different elements that feature into it so um agile agility is kind of one of the summing up of those qualities definitely yeah definitely agility and, and always i think is an important one uh well thanks so much minna um if people want to reach out to you for more insights where should they where should they reach you 
I am pretty active member in LinkedIn. So just hit me up there. You'll find my profile um, any which way through Future SaaS or just Minna Weizen. And, um, and, um, and yeah, love to come carry on the conversation over there. Um, and then, yeah, tune in. I'm going to shamelessly plug tune in for Women Leaders in Customer Success podcast as well. No need to feel, uh, yeah, guilty about plugging it. It's a, it's a worthy cause. So well done. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much for this, Mina. Uh, it's been great. Take care. Thank you for joining us on this episode of SaaScast. Please join us next time for more top insights from the leading minds in SaaS.